Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Tyler Bench to the podcast. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you. Excited to be here. Tyler is the Director of Demand Generation at LucidChart. They are a visual workspace that combines diagramming data and collaboration to accelerate innovation. And I will say that I am a avid user of LucidChart. I'm probably in there every single day. I, in particular, love the org charting feature, which is great for all sorts of sales-related applications. So again, uh, really thrilled to have you on. Today, our topic is going to be all about how to use product-qualified leads in your sales funnel. But as we do on all the podcasts, I'm going to ask Tyler a couple questions just so we get to know him a little better. So Tyler, first question for you is, what is your favorite business book of all time? My favorite business book of all time is called The Outsiders. It's by William Thorndike. And it's actually a little bit of a financial book, but it looks at eight unconventional CEOs and how they massively exceeded per share return benchmarks over really long periods of time. So like the most famous one that they cover is Warren Buffett, but there's a bunch of other interesting ones that are probably a little bit less well-known, like John Malone, who really built a lot of the cable industry. It's just really interesting because there's kind of some commonalities in how they think about their businesses to just be really, really exceptional over time. Were there certain commonalities in approach or background for the eight that they profiled? They were all very quantitative in terms of their approach and background. So that's that's one commonality. There are a couple of them that were pretty high-level mathematicians, but all of them just took a very, very quantitative approach. I would say like behaviorally, the biggest thing is that they were willing to take really big bets when they had super high conviction. And they did a lot of things sort of counter-cycle. So like similar companies in a similar time frame, they would do things that were very, very different than what their peer set was doing. The second question I'd love to ask you is the first thing you ever remember selling as a kid or a teenager, or a young adult? Yeah. So the first thing I can remember selling um, was when I was a volunteer beverage sales person at a football game. So I grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and there is a program where you could be one of the sort of like beverage salespeople that walks around the stadium um, at UNC football games. The proceeds that you generated went to charity, but you got to keep tips for yourself. I think I was probably late middle school at that time, so maybe 12. It was a little scary, right? Just kind of interacting with the general public like that. A football game, a lot of adults, maybe even some rowdy adults, but it was a lot of fun to see kind of what different techniques worked and how to communicate with people. So we're going to talk a little bit today about how to use product qualified leads in your sales funnel. It obviously has intersections with sales and marketing alignment, but why, why has this topic been so top of mind for you? Yeah, so Lucidchart has kind of an interesting business model where our sort of front door is very low friction, like unassisted freemium approach. And so we've developed this super wide funnel. Lucidchart is also interesting because it's very horizontal application. So we generate over 700,000 new registrations a month. Um, we have over 15 million registered users. Most of those people are not a good fit to talk to our sales team. It's just too much and the economics aren't really there. And it's not everyone works for a business or has some kind of 
connection to like B2B decision making, but there is a chunk of them that do. And so one of the key things that we do from a lead generation perspective is try to identify, okay, what are the characteristics of people who are a good fit to talk with our sales team about not just how they as an individual can use Lucidchart, but perhaps their team or their organization can get value out of Lucidchart and then figure out how to serve those up to our sales team in a high intent way. So it's just kind of like the biggest opportunity that we have from a lead gen perspective because of the characteristics of our business. How do you think it was that that in a very crowded market, Lucidchart broke, you know, broke free? I would actually say it's not as crowded as of a market as maybe some other SaaS spaces. The industry has been dominated since the 90s by Microsoft Physio. And basically what happened was in 2008, kind of that time frame, there's a lot of growth happening in the Google Apps ecosystem, which is now called Google Suite. And it was early days, but the idea of, sort of browser-based productivity, real-time collaboration was growing really fast. And our founder was frustrated that the way that Microsoft Visio behaved was so unlike this new modern type of collaboration, like productivity application that he loved, like Google Docs. And so he just built it himself. And he, he built a you know web-based diagramming application. And uh, it, it turns out that that's actually pretty hard to do because diagramming is very graphically intensive. It's a pretty difficult engineering challenge to build something in the browser that's very performant. And he is a very talented engineer. And so he just built, made a lot of really good product decisions really early on. And then as a business, we have always been very product focused. Um, so, you know, when I joined Lucidchart, which was mid to late 2014, I was one of five to 10 people on the business side. And there were 40 people on the product side. So we've always been focused on building a great product. And then we've also been able to develop some business model innovation on top of that. And that's just not something a lot of our competitors have done. So on a, on a high level, Microsoft Visio built a great product in a great market, but they haven't been able to bring it into sort of the modern productivity era. And then we do have a, some competitors in this sort of like web-based diagramming, browser-based diagramming space, but none of them have invested the level of product resources that we have over a long period of time, like not even close. So we've just been able to pull away. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. In fact, it was my my transition from from Visio into Lucid that drew me there. Well, getting back to the the topic at hand. So uh, you know, we were talking about the fact that you guys get this pretty tremendous volume of inbound um, leads via the freemium model. I think you said something like 700,000 per month, which is amazing. So you, you said that there was these two factors. One is to figure out which ones are a fit. And then the second is to route them into the sales team. Let's, let's talk about the fit side first. So how do you go about determining, you know, combing through 700,000 leads per month and figure out which ones are the ones to engage? Yeah. So I think there is sort of a three part axis to that and how we think about it. One axis is person fit. So this is sort of your traditional buyer persona. To use an example that is, is relevant to the sales space, we're kind of building out a solution for sales that we call the Lucidchart sales solution. It sounds like you're kind of keying in on that use case yourself with your personal use where we're trying to help reps and sales organizations visualize their relationship with an account and do account planning in Lucidchart. And so we kind of have a pretty good idea of who we want to talk to 
there to kind of get that conversation going. And and it's it's not just one type of person, but in that case, right, we want to talk to sales leaders. We also want to talk to sales ops. And we also want to talk to especially enterprise sales reps because they get very strong value out of the product as an end user. And they also tend to be fairly well networked within their sales orgs. So we know who we want to talk to. That's kind of one axis. The next axis is the company, right? So in the case of our sales solution, where we have the strongest fit is with sales orgs that are trying to sell into the enterprise because doing that type of account planning and really deeply knowing an account, having really strong collaboration internally around the account can move the needle there. So we're looking for the right people at the right companies. And then the last piece is how qualified are they or how interested are they behaviorally in the product. And so that's things like how far have they made it into our onboarding? How are they using the product today on the tier that they're on? And so what we're looking for is for all three of those factors to come together, right? The right person who matches our buyer personas, the right company that matches an organization that can uh, get a lot of value out of this chart at scale. And then how qualified are they in terms of their level of interest in the product? On the person fit, how do you determine, I mean, sales leader titles are pretty straightforward. Sales ops titles are relatively straightforward, but on the enterprise reps piece, I mean, their title might simply say account executive or account manager. How do you determine that those people are actually enterprise reps as opposed to SMB or commercial reps? Our targeting probably isn't perfect in that regard. So I'll tell you how we handle that. So first of all, in terms of how we're getting at who they are, we've built up an onboarding process that kind of fits our use case in this regard. So basically, there's a series of questions that try to get at who you work for, and then also what your role is within that organization. And that helps us at least back into, is it the right company in the right space? And are you in, are you a sales rep? You have this opportunity when you have freemium that people are going to give you a bit more information in order to get access to the tool. It gives you the opportunity to ask a few more qualifying questions just as they register. Exactly. And, and it's not just that we're doing that to try to be able to give them to a sales rep, right? We, we are also making a promise, which we deliver on, that by telling us who they are, we're going to surface the right things to them in the product as they move through. But yeah, we, we don't just... Um, when we talk about creating a product-qualified lead, even once you've qualified people on those three dimensions I mentioned, so right person, right company, right level of interest in the product, there's still a ton of volume because kind of the base we're starting with is 700,000 new people a month. And so we are usually taking an almost another step of qualification where marketing will actually initiate the first contact in a way that is automated but highly targeted where it's we use a stack that is basically our product database, Marketo, sales uh, productivity platforms um, to initiate that contact. And um, we're sending them an email that is highly relevant to what they did in the product and then like waiting for them to respond to the rep. And that's usually where we will kind of have the first active sales engagement. And the content of the email that we're sending is designed to qualify them on being that right person as well. So that's kind of the extra layer of qualification that we're putting in there. If you mentioned what the content of that engagement is, can you, can you expand on that a little bit? So we might say something like, hey, we want to make sure that you're getting the most value out of Lucidchart as a sales rep. We want to make sure you're having success visualizing your account. Also, we want to make sure that you're aware of all the different features that you have available to you and your sales organization. Do you have five to 10 minutes to jump on a call? 
Do you feel confident that your sales executives are in, you know, engaging those leads? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's where the marketing sales alignment comes in, right? I would say today, yes. Um, but any demand gen leader, sales leader will tell you that there's always room to continue to, to grow there. Um, and so some of the ways that we try to be successful there are in developing SLAs or service level agreements in terms of exactly what's expected on both sides. Um, so we have a really clear level of volume and qualification that we're trying to hit on our side, on the marketing side. And then sales has really clear expectations around follow-up, specifically on average how fast they're getting to these product qualified leads and then how deep they're going before they give up. So that's one way is, is to have strong SLAs and then build the tooling and the reporting to report on them. Um, we have a monthly meeting where we all kind of look at each other's metrics and kind of talk through where we're improving. So that's one way. And then the other way is just kind of knowledge and education, right? It's, it's easy for marketers to undershare what they're doing and why, because we have so much knowledge about exactly what strategies we're trying to execute, right? Um, and where I think we've fallen down in the past and a lot of marketing orgs fallen down is just assuming that sales gets that. So that's the other big piece is just over-communicating. Um, something we've, we've launched recently is every single time we build a new source of these product qualified leads, we circulate a one-pager throughout the entire sales org of just, you know, who are these people? Why are we generating them as a lead? What's our approach? What are next steps? So I think those are some things that have worked for us, but it's, it's a constant process of improvement in terms of making sure that we're serving up the right leads and that the follow-up is in line with uh, what will maximize results from the sales side. Obviously, when you joined four plus years ago, there weren't as many leads coming in. What are some of the sources that you've tapped into? Yeah, absolutely. What's crazy is when I joined four and a half years ago, there wasn't even a sales team. Um, it, it was a 100% sort of unassisted business model. So we, we've definitely covered a lot of white space during that time. Um, we've made a lot of mistakes, right? I, I mentioned that qualification matrix of, you know, right person, right company, right level of depth in the product. That's something that's taken us many years to dial in on. And we've made plenty of mistakes where we didn't qualify enough on one of those frameworks. Um, and, it, and it wasn't very sales efficient. But I would say thinking about who we're targeting today, there's a few different groups. Um, so I, I mentioned this sales solution product. We're doing a lot there in terms of trying to make sure that we get our sales team in contact with sales folks who are using our product. I would say that um, in terms of our core platform, we're spending a lot of time with power users. So who are the people that are either creating the most content in Lucidchart, having the most content shared with them, who are kind of nodes within their organization, right, um, where they can and do spread Lucidchart and can help us evangelize it. And that, that person is often not our buyer, like the, the end purchaser, but can get us to that person. We're spending a lot of time with people who have already adopted the product within their team, but on a very small scale. So we have something that has been really successful for us as a company is we, we do have like a team uh, skew that is unassisted. So it's very easy to adopt maybe a team account with three, five, 10, 15 licenses without even talking to a sales rep. And a lot of people do that. And once people have done that, that's like an awesome time for our sales org to engage them to talk about, okay, you know, who are you using this with? How can we make it more successful for you on a, on a broader basis throughout the company? Those are some key groups that I think we're spending a lot of time with today. 
And I would presume you're also doing a decent amount of either SEO to generate organic traffic or a decent amount of search engine marketing, either in Google or in LinkedIn or other places. Is that, is that also the case? Is that part of what's driving the lead volume? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I can talk a little bit about where we're getting our top of funnel. So for us, search engine marketing is huge. What's interesting is there are many, many different ways to describe diagramming data and collaboration together. And people do describe them in a lot of those different ways when they're looking for education or a solution on Google. So there's just sort of this absolutely massive canvas of keywords that are relevant to Lucichart. And so there are literally hundreds of thousands of searches that we're ranking for both on the paid side and the organic side that convert well for us. And then what we've done is internationalize that. And that has taken it to a whole nother level in terms of the width of our funnel. So we have our website and our product experience, just the whole kind of user experience translated today into Spanish, Portuguese, French, Dutch, German, and Japanese. That's just kind of like square one. We're also trying to localize within that and and looking at new languages. So I I would say that um, in terms of top of funnel acquisition, search engine marketing, and then internationalizing that is, is the bread and butter. But then also a lot of it is just the product, right? And you hear that you, you this has been kind of in the, in the business news lately with like, if you look at a company like Zoom and how successful they are and, and their financials is we just, you know, we have a great product, right? A, a best in class product and people spread it themselves. And a lot of that shows up as word of mouth, right? Like one of our biggest sources is just direct where, you know, our analytics tell us that the first time we saw them was on our homepage, right? And that, that's word of mouth. Um, especially because we don't today do like a huge amount of brand advertising or anything. So that is, that's truly, you know, word of mouth marketing. And then we also have like a viral loop that is more product driven. So if one of the ways that you can get value out of Lucidchart is to share someone on the document you've created, which kicks off a user acquisition flow for the person who's consuming the content. How do you deal with source attribution? I would assume that you might have a number of different touch points. Is that something that's top of mind for you guys or you don't get too worried about that? I think it's easy to get sucked down a hole of obsessing over attribution because there is no right answer. And it's very easily for it to turn into a political battle internally. And it's really like, who wants to get credit for their channel? So we have a very basic attribution model that is like weighted towards the first touch. So we're most interested in how did people first find out about Lucidchart. We've been using that for over four years. We find that it captures all the different important touches that people frequently engage in before they register for an account or pay us or become a sales lead. And then we just kind of go from there. We also have a lot of conversations internally around like, okay, it looks like this channel, you know, maybe on paper, just with our attribution model, doesn't have as high of ROI. But looking around the room and through all these other data sources and anecdotes, we believe this is actually really important for us and we have an opportunity to grow it over time. And so we're going to dive into that anyway. Um, And a lot of times just that conversation can be a lot more effective than, okay, it looks like this attribution model doesn't give us what we want. Let's just completely reinvent the wheel and come up with a whole new attribution model. I've had that experience 
you know, with all everything you described around attribution, and I've I've been a CMO, I've been a CRO, you know, all these different roles. I've fought myself <laughs> running both sales and marketing, and and I know that the attribution thing is really tricky. And, and it sounds like that first touch attribution is something that's been working well for you. I did want to circle back to one other thing that you mentioned before, which was uh, each time you carve out a new channel for product qualified leads that you have a wave of education with your sales team. How formal is that wave of education? The reason I'm asking is I, I do talk to a lot of people who they're always trying to find the right balance in, in sales communication that now that companies are so agile, both in their marketing and in their product development, not to mention other areas, it's almost like salespeople can get massively over inundated with information. So how do you guys control the flow of information? It's a challenge. And I would say today it is fairly informal, but I expect it to become more formal over time. So the way we developed kind of this one pager that just says, okay, here's a new source of leads. Here's why we're doing it. Here's how it can help you as a sales rep was just based off of a request slash feedback process with, with our sales team. I would say that we try to be really concise with our communication. So we, we will only send that one pager once we know for sure that the leads are live, right? So we don't do the like stop and start thing where we're saying, oh, here's this new source of leads, but actually we haven't finished setting up the marketing automation on our side. And so you're not going to see it for three weeks. So that, that's one thing that helps us is to try to be really timely with the communication. And then I think the other piece is just having those foundational relationships I've been working with my counterpart on the sales development side for two and a half to three years now, and we just have that relationship of trust. So that's a big piece of it too in this more agile world where it's kind of impossible to have everything be exactly clean and exactly the right information, but not too much of it. It's just having those like really strong personal relationships where if something does get miscommunicated or missed or isn't exactly right, you have that trust built up where you can have that feedback and improve going forward. Brilliant. And you mentioned your sales development counterpart. I would presume you're almost 100% inbound. Do they do any outbounding as well? So I would say that the product qualified lead framework that we've been talking about, it's almost a good question whether it's inbound or outbound. It's inbound in the sense that you know marketing is generating the acquisition and we are, in, in, in this case, initiating the prospecting. But it's not true inbound in that it requires that kind of outbound touch from the sales rep to generate the response. There's quite a bit that our sales org is doing that is similar, but not driven by marketing, um, where they're kind of working their way up, their way bottoms up through the organization and trying to connect with different users to, to get to a decision maker. I wouldn't consider that true outbound in the sense that they're free, they're almost always talking to people who already use the product, but there are different motions that our sales team are, is running kind of strategic motions that they're initiating and marketing isn't. I think companies that are re relying exclusively on maybe your traditional demo request will struggle to accelerate over time. And the reason for that is, first of all, it's just a really high bar of something to ask someone to do, right? Especially in this day and age with like just the way the internet works, like asking someone, okay, we're not going to engage with you ever until you tell us, I want to spend time with you 
you know, 30 minutes with you walking through your product is just a big ask. But also, a lot of times the qualification just isn't there, right? It's like, you can ask people as many questions as you want about who they are, and what their use case for the product is, but you're still going to end up with people who aren't the perfect fit for your product. Whereas if you just let them into the product and let them discover that value for themselves and kind of in some way raise their hand by engaging with the product, that can be, at least for us, that's like a way more successful way of qualifying people. And then from there, whether it's sales or marketing initiating that first contact, in some ways doesn't matter um, because they've they've already qualified themselves by actually getting value out of the solution that we provide. Products like yours and like ours, people in, your, in yours obviously can go in through that freemium experience. Uh, we have not turned on freemium at this point, but it's um, you know something that people could do because it's relatively simple to turn on. A number of our listeners work for enterprise software companies that have much, much more complex products that would require significant implementation. If you were working in demand gen there, you know, and, and taking your point that it's it's a pretty high barrier if you just relied on demo requests, what are some other creative approaches that people could use to drive inbound volume that at least has brand familiarity? Have you seen any cool approaches out there? I would say a couple of things. So first of all, outbound is probably going to be critical in that case, like, you know, true outbound. Because I think when you have a really complex solution and it's going to be very expensive, you know, to get that up and running, um, of course, with the high average sale price that comes with that. Um, but, but there's going to be a lot of cost on the business to get an account or a customer relationship going. You are going to want to make sure you're talking to the exact right person who has the exact pain that your product solves or you're never going to get enough momentum going to overcome the inertia of doing something expensive and complex like that with that customer. I love marketing and we can do a lot of things to qualify, but at least in this day and age, we're never going to be as good as a really effective outbound sales team at knowing exactly who the right person is to talk to. So like, I guess I would say like this is a little bit of a cop out, but like start with outbound, right? If, if, if you have that type of enterprise complex motion and you can't be successful on a small scale with outbound ADRs or enterprise AEs, then like I would be surprised if you're able to scale up demand gen at all. So that I think is one part of it. I think the traditional play, which I think is really effective, is content. And in that world when you know you're maybe not able to deliver like a freemium product experience that's meaningful just because of how complex you know, the product is, content is almost your product, right? And you're, you're building that funnel where you're saying, okay, we are going to be a thought leader in this area. And if someone gets down to the point of engaging with all of our content and investigating kind of what product is behind this content or like who is behind it, that's where we're going to create a lead. I think that's, that's the best way to qualify. And then you just make sure that your content funnel is super dialed on like, being appealing to the exact person who's your buyer. I love the thoughts on that. I mean, I don't think that there is an easy answer, uh, especially ways to deliver, you know, true value at scale, you know, in that situation, and especially in the very crowded world of content. I'd love to, uh, if you could share how people can learn a little bit more about Lucidchart and, and if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? To learn more about Lucidchart, the best way is to go to lucidchart.com and sign up. If you're in the sales world, um, you can Google the Lucidchart sales solution and learn more about the value we provide specifically 
in that area. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, so uh, feel free to look me up on LinkedIn and reach out. Uh, happy to connect and talk about anything demand gen related. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.